0: Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, GP, and uh, you know, it's just gonna be me. I'm just gonna talk about whatever. Uh, we're going to talk about the episode of Sliders, where, um, yeah, oh, oh, Chuck is here too, I guess. Uh, I mean, I said he could come, but I didn't say he could say anything, but if you want to say something now. I'm Am sure. I
1: sliding along with you?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Okay. Sliding into your DMs? Yeah. Sl- slide. Sure. Jerry O'Connell.
0: There's really only like two puns per episode, so.
1: Jerry were Kari. It's Kari. Cocoon alien. Nope. Don't know where this bit is going. Um, uh, well, it's going to a pool in Fort Lauderdale <laughs> so that uh, Wilfred Brimley and <laughs> oh, Jessica Tandy can feel young again. God. Okay.
0: All right. Father Chuck, I'm here with, as always. Father Chuck, how are you, buddy? How, how are you faring uh, the weather, the strange
1: weather happening? Um, um, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> Brian Denny and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Steve Gutenberg and um, what's her face? Who was really good looking in that movie? Um, uh, was it the, one that fre- daughter? the one that freaked me out. That's the one that freaked she, me out. She freaked you
0: out? That's the one, yeah. Because she's this really attractive woman, you she's know. Woman. And then she takes her skin off. It's true, she does. Why did they do that? Why did they, you know, they could have done anything. They could have just like fade in the glow. But no, it had to be skin suits. That just puddle to the ground. Here's the and thing. it's supposed to be for children. This is it's a, no. They didn't have to do that.
1: Where did they acquire the skin suit? Is the real question. <laughs> do you think they skinned actual people? I don't know, but I think like, it's. Is Brian Dennehy like someone who's actually been like he was alive and then is now not, and the alien light being has taken over his identity? I
0: I assume it's some sort of synthetic. <clears throat> uh, uh, Terminator-like skin made by Cyberdyne. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But like, they didn't have to. They didn't have to make that artistic choice. That's all I'm saying. That was a bad
1: idea. You could have um, just Bastion from the Neverending Story is in that movie. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, wouldn't that movie been so much better if, like, while the boat is going up, Falcor just like showed up? Are you trying to like trigger me right now? Is that what you're trying to do? Are you trying I'm to? Bullying. I'm cyberbullying you right
0: now. <laughs> <Absolutely>. Cyberbullied. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I was saving this for when really when we really needed it, but I'm going to call it. It's time to cancel, check. <laughs>
1: Hashtag here's the cancel here's, here's Chuck. Hashtag cancel Father Chuck. Here's the God honest truth. I'm surprised it has happened sooner. <laughs> well,
0: let's talk about what we're here uh, to talk about. Um, This week, uh, you know. We're here to
1: talk about One Direction, right?
0: One Direction. Um, No, we're talking about WandaVision. And you know, Chuck, it was interesting um, watching this and then deciding to do an episode on it. Because I was watching it uh, sort of passively. Hmm. uh, Because I couldn't really find anything else to watch. Uh, because I had, I had kind of parted ways with Marvel a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, not so much like, I was just like swore off Marvel or anything, but like, I wasn't going, I, w- I wasn't going to be like invested
1: anymore. Um, right. I, I mean, I, I, let me just say, I don't know if it's the same thing for you, but for me it was, it was in game was such a nice, like closer, like closure mm-hmm. that it felt like, okay, like people can continue. I don't need to follow anymore. Like it was sort of like finishing up the, you know, getting the, the issue that ends the big summer event series and saying like, all right, I'm going to walk away from comics for a little while.
0: Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I viewed it. Um, I think at that point I was just like, you know, I can, I I can walk away from this. Like I, I took the journey. <clears throat> you know, I know I have my thoughts. Um, I kind of know where I stand when it comes to Marvel. Like I, I can tell, like if it's something, I need to watch or don't need to watch. And then I watched Spider-Man far from home. I mean, I skipped it in the theaters, but I watched it at home and I was like, yeah, I'm glad I skipped this in theaters uh, because I wasn't like super into it. Um, So it's, it's not that I like swore it off or anything. It's just, I just, I kind of know where I stand with it now. Like I'm kind of over being like, I guess a fan you could mm-hmm. say. hmm and that uh, I'll just co I'll just I'll just coexist, <laughs> and especially after like how, how bad Captain Marvel was, um, that was really bad. Uh, but it was interesting visiting this show because it was like, oh, it's very unconventional, at first at least, um, and I enjoyed that, and it was sort of a a, a breath of fresh air, and it kind of came flooding back, like it 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 once I watched it and then we decided to do it for the show and I went back and I rewatched it and I did a little bit more research, it, it actually kind of took me back to when we first started this podcast, when we were doing mm-hmm. stuff like this, uh, for Marvel and, you know, other properties and stuff. So it was fun. It was fun to do that. And, uh, I definitely enjoyed myself the second time around cause I, I actually marathoned it, uh, uh, recently, like, like, two days ago um, and it was fun so that's what we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about WandaVision
1: and you know obviously disclaimer about spoilers and all this kind of fun stuff but yeah also to note as we said before this started we are recording the day before the penultimate episode the, the second to last episode airs right and then we will this episode will come out the day before the final episode airs, so there's, yeah. you know, significant story that we don't know.
0: Yeah, we've got two more. We've got two more episodes to go uh, after we record this. And uh, what's really fun, I was explaining to to, to Father Chuck earlier, is that like, you know, I've become so uninvested in Marvel that I like, I don't, I didn't know how many episodes there were supposed to be. And I thought, for some reason, for some very dumb reason. I thought that the sixth episode, which is the Malcolm in the Middle episode, I thought that was the final episode. And so, like, when everybody was turning into circus folk, I was like, well, that's a really interesting place to leave off. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is, I I mean, I thought this was, like, a limited series. Like, that's just, I I don't get it. I'm I'm really confused what we're we're trying to say here, (laughs) where we're, like, taking the Marvel universe. I don't understand. (laughs) And then after a couple of hours of a little light research, like, oh, okay, so we've got like three, four episodes ago. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Okay. So, WandaVision. Heavenly
1: shades of night are calling. It's twilight time. Wanda the- and Vision. Like days of old lighting the spark of love that fills me with the
0: Am I dead? No. Why would you think that? Because you are. Ah!
1: first-person intel from inside the Westview Anomaly. What are we looking at here? Is it an alternate reality, time travel? It's a
0: sitcom. Starring two Avengers? It's a working theory. Hello, dear. Hiya, kid! Hiya, kiddos. Life moves pretty fast out in the suburbs. I think something's wrong here.
1: <laughs> Should we just take it from the top? I don't know how any of this started. What is outside of Westfield? Yeah,
0: I'm not sure what that's about. It's probably just a case of the Mondays. Am I
1: right? Yes, my love. Are you crying? But I'm invested.
0: First of all, I guess the premise of the show is that uh, each episode is like a, an episode of a sitcom, hence WandaVision.
1: Well, right, but like more like a less of a particular sitcom and more kind of like uh, like a concentrated version of a variety of sitcoms from a particular era. Right. There's a ton of signifiers from different sort of sitcoms that Right. So like fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, that and, and early two right. thousands. That's what they've Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Like Let, the Marvel let's thing. talk about where we left off uh, Wanda and Vision. The last time we see Vision, Vision um is of course the synthesoid that was developed as sort of the permanent ultimate host for Ultron, but was instead stolen and through some work with with Tony Stark and uh, Bruce Banner and then some intervention from Thor's lightning that they put the Jarvis artificial intelligence um, into this host body that itself was being empowered by the Mind Stone, which was embedded in the staff that Loki was carrying, which actually makes it, if I'm not mistaken, makes it the first Infinity Stone we see in any of the Marvel movies. So when Infinity War comes along and Thanos is collecting all the Infinity Stones, um, the they they tried to back they tried to do a backup with Shuri um, in Wakanda, try to do a backup of Vision, so they could try to restore him, and then remove the stone and try to destroy the stone. They don't get all the way able to back him up, and Vision had already agreed had already told Wanda that. If the time came, she knew what she would have to do. And really one of the most touching, I mean, really emotionally powerful scenes in that movie is when she's forced with the fact that she has to destroy the stone, which will kill him. And his final words to her is, you could never hurt me. And then she destroys the stone. But then Thanos uses the time stone to rewind the clock. Brings him back and then rips it out of his head. And then he goes all black and white. And then snaps Wanda out of existence. And then five years later, she's brought back when Bruce Banner brings back everyone. You took. Everything from me. I don't even know who you are. You will. And then we get to see that she actually uh, is quite powerful yeah. when she fights Thanos. And then, uh, and apparently, next thing we know, she's living in a sitcom.
0: Yep. We pick up; they're living in this 1950s-style sitcom. Uh, they're married, living in a house, and an interesting. A uh, little quirk is they have no idea how they ended up there. Vision doesn't really have much of a memory of what happened before they were living in a sitcom, and the whole episode is about how like they have something they have like something in the calendar marked. I believe it was August 26th. Has a little heart on it, and so it, it, it's it's structured as like a sitcom moment where it's like they they there's an important date but neither of them know what that date is. Is it a anniversary? Is it a, a a date? Is it something important? They don't know, but it's not because they forgot. It's because of the mysterious circumstances. So it's like while there is a sort of lightheartedness, like trying to figure out that date, there is a sort of underground, like we've lost our memory.
1: But yeah, the show takes on a very Twilight Twilight Zone esque tenor, where there is something unsettling and creepy just below the surface throughout every episode. Um, I, I, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the effective cinematography choices and things they do to help drive home. I think really effectively win things, right? Get creepy. Um, yeah, that
0: episode is sort of all about. Uh, I guess they kind of figure out that it, like it's it's like a, a dinner they're supposed to be having with the with Vision's boss, his boss. yeah, at the at, at, at the company that Vision works <clears throat> at, which is so sitcomy uh Computational Services, right? And this actually. I think this was a nod to Seinfeld Chuck. Okay. Because they keep asking uh the boss like what they do and he keeps saying like input output.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm like,
0: oh that's like Vandalay, right? Imports yeah. exports. <laughs> uh but yeah, that's one of those things. It's a very generic job. You don't really know what they do, it's just it's data. Right. But yeah. I
1: think it's also something sinister.
0: So it's 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 a fun little episode where you know they're trying to kind of scramble to do this like last minute dinner with Vision's boss. Um, kind of culminating in a really eerie moment where, like I said, they don't really know how they met, how they got married. And so, of course, the boss and his wife played by uh, Deborah Jo Rupp, Rupp, who played Kitty in that 70s Kitty
1: Foreman, one of the best sitcom characters ever written.
0: Absolutely. And um, so they're trying to, like, get information. They have no idea how to answer it. And then it leads to uh, their, his boss choking when he starts choking, uh, his wife, who is Deborah Joe Rupp, she keeps saying like "Stop it!" and it kind of starts from like a stop, like a like a very comedic laughing. stop it and laughing, to so, like it gets getting more serious and serious, and it goes on a while that he's choking on this piece of food, and that's when you kind of realize, oh okay, so this is like whatever we're in here, is uh, it, it's it's not it's not a hundred percent, like there's there's something going on.
1: Right, and now what we know, and what we know now, this is one of the things. My wife is really into this show. Oh, yeah. um, I like guess the, to her, you know, she says the best thing Marvel's ever made, and I think I probably agree with her actually. Um, <clears throat> but she was saying how she's really looking forward to when it's all said and done, going back and watching it again, hmm. um, because knowing what we know now, Deborah Jo Rupp, Mrs. Hart, yeah. yelling, "Stop it! Stop it!" You know, the way it's played is like she's thinking that her husband is doing something goofy. Yeah, and she's like, "Stop it!" But now, what we know, she's she's sort of yelling to the ether, "Stop mm. it," right. right? Like that's a that's an existential cry. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, and that's where the thing is. Like I was going to talk about. Like I think it's super effective in this show, especially in the early episodes. Is they they film everything. Like this first episode actually was legitimately filmed in front of a live studio audience.
0: Oh, was it really? I didn't know
1: that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. It was um, friends and family of the cast and crew, and they were in, they were encouraged to wear 50s style clothing when they showed up. Huh. Um, <clears throat> but it was the only one that was filmed in front of a live studio audience, and um, and that's the um, name of the uh, the episode too, right? Which interesting they never they never tell you the name of the episode the first day that it airs. They don't yeah. you don't find out till like the next day. Right. Um, but the um, the the thing about what I think was really fascinating is they filmed it like even Kana was my wife was saying. Like it looks like a, you know, it's like a teleplay, like it, they're on a stage, like it's very clear they're on a set filming, mm-hmm. but in that moment it gets very cinematic. Yeah. The camera becomes like table level. It slowly zooms in and every, and I, I if I'm not mistaken, I think it even goes into letterbox format at I that don't,
0: moment. I don't remember. It does that many times throughout the series. I noticed.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, every time it goes into like the real world, it goes into letterbox. Format. Yeah, you see
0: it slowly shift, and
1: it's not like a cut; it's yeah. like a slow shift. And I, I really like that effect; it's pretty cool. Um, but that's that's that moment where you realize, okay, you know, you're sort of on board with, okay, they're doing a goofy sitcom, and then it's, oh no, there's something sinister happening.
0: Yeah, um, and it's interesting because it's 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 the first sort of fourth wall break because mm-hmm. you know he's he's choking, she's saying stop it, stop it, and then it suddenly goes from sitcom mm-hmm. acting. You know, who, which Elizabeth Olsen is like nailing, by the way. Oh my
1: gosh, she's doing so good.
0: Like they're doing like, like back then there was a way to act in the sitcom because it was a real life stage. So like you had to enunciate whenever, if you ever watch like I Love Lucy, she kind of leans over a little bit whenever she's talking to Desi. Like he like she's right. shouting across the room. Elizabeth Olsen is doing the same thing in this. Um, and I noticed like at this part, she kind of stops that whole sitcom acting. And that suddenly becomes Wanda and she's like vision
1: to help him. Yeah. Well, and, the, the you know, you speak, let's talk a little bit about Elizabeth Olsen's acting. One thing yeah. that um, I read in, you know, because that's the one this, this shows kind of like lost in the way that it's just fan theorizing and reading and no, just yeah. all that kind of stuff, which is old sort of school fun. mystery box. storytelling. Yeah, week <laughs> by week. Yeah. Um, but done well. Yeah. Um, people have, you know, sort of been like, you know, what whatever happened to whatever happened to Wanda's accent? You know, she had this accent yeah. in Age of Ultron, and then the next time we see her, it's gone. Well, in an interview with her, she said that, she said, no, the accent never went away. If you pay attention, she's like, I I intentionally sort of figured out how long it would take her to lose it, and that some words would always contain an element of it. She says, but if you pay really close attention to the way she talks about all of her appearances in the Avengers movies, you can detect elements of the accent here and there. Hmm. Um, which I, I just that. think is... Such a, such a, like, people kind of been sleeping on
0: Elizabeth that level Olsen. of, yeah,
1: yeah and yeah. just that level of, of, of performance that goes into her work as a fairly background character in the Marvel films. Yeah,
0: even the way she, like, whenever she does her powers, <clears throat> apparently, and I learned this from there making, uh, I think, Ultron. Um, she had, like, a choreographer, she worked with, like, a choreographer on how to, like, move when she uses her powers. Like, mm-hmm. she, like, the way she, like, you, like moves her hands and even the way she like tilts her head and like looks up and stuff and like wow, she puts like a lot of effort into that character and it's really interesting what she does with it. Yeah, and, and I'm really glad that they're giving her a chance to show it off. Absolutely. And and not even just like just to be Wanda, but like 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 six, seven different variations of Wanda, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> Throughout like history that like television and stuff. Which is really
1: interesting. Yeah, because i mean I, I just remember this past week's episode with the one that sort of draws on uh, modern family yeah. for its stylistic tropes and just how natural she looks talking to the camera oh i know and how and and there's a moment where you can see that she is holding back tears mm. interesting you know like just the, that 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 subtle amount of emotional communication i think is just a, amazing yeah she's, amazing she's a great actress
0: really great yeah. actress and i think paul bettany is like having the time of his oh, life. Yes, he because is. this is not the kind of stuff that Paul Bettany does. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's very much. The, he's a serious British actor. You know, well, not since know, Wimbledon been... uh, or or Knight's Tale.
1: <laughs> well, think about. It. I mean he's he's also one of the he's also one of the real, most fun Star Wars villains
0: in Solo. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, I forgot he was in Solo. Yeah,
1: um, he's having a blast in Solo. I just watched that again with my boys the other night, a couple weeks ago, and just he is having a blast. Yeah doing this stuff right he's you know the way that like patrick stewart has brought a level of something you know
0: (laughs) yeah totally totally yeah they're both i mean both him and elizabeth Olsen, needed characters who are not really front and center throughout most of the mcu finally getting their chance to really show off their chops and then you know then we find out there they might be like two of the best actors in the mcu (laughs) right and they're just like killing it um but anywho uh so that's that episode um, oh, I also, like, I wrote down notes for each of the commercials. So we talk yeah, about each the commercials episode. commercials are very important to talk about. Yeah, I, so the first thing I kind of realized, I think the commercials are kind of like Wanda's subconscious.
1: See, okay, uh, you tell me what you think, and I'll tell you what I think.
0: See, it, so in this in this episode, the commercial is the uh, Toastmate 2000, made by Stark Industries, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a commercial for a toaster. Interesting thing about it is that... Uh, it does kind of have like sort of a similar moment in the episode where it kind of breaks a fourth wall a little bit, or it kind of focuses on an object a little too long. And in this time, Uh in this moment, when they turn on the toaster, a little light starts flashing and you kind of focus on the light and it's like making, it's, it's not just like a beep beep, but it's almost like a ticking clock.
1: Right. And And a lot of people,
0: a lot of people like say that might be a throwback to when, Wanda and Pietro were stuck in their house after it had been attacked by like a Stark Industries bomb. And they were like next to that bomb. And all they could hear was like the ticking Mm -hmm. bomb about to go off, even though it never did. So it's like a ticking bomb. And also the ticking of the light is this. I I noticed this. I I checked it myself. It's also it matches the ticking clock of when um, Mr. Hart was choking on the food. Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah. Now. But here's the other thing about the Stark toaster that I've noticed no one else has pointed out is that it looks like a face and the red okay. light is where Vision's gem would be. Oh, interesting. Cuz the two knobs on it look like eyes and the little light is in the is kind of in between them and there's the I was actually digging around trying to see if there are any references to Vision being called a toaster in the movies. Apparently he's been called that huh. in the comics. That
0: sounds familiar, yeah. Um where have i heard that. I
1: don't know. But yeah. But, I, um, um, but I, I'm wondering you know, if, if your idea there that it's subconscious, or I'll tell you what my thoughts are in a bit, but is that it's sort of also throwing in her face stark built vision and this thing that she loves is connected to someone that she hates or that, is supposed to, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting too because I, I also wrote down each of the like, little tagline or mottos for each commercial. For mm-hmm. this one, it's forget the past. This is your future. Mm-hmm. And I felt that kind of sort of a callback to like the theme of what the episode is, where they can't remember their past. Right. And But that sort of signifying like Stark and her hatred for Stark and how she sort of overcome that to sort of embrace vision, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my commercial note. And then uh, we end the episode on uh, an insignia that we're not familiar with yet.
1: No, well, doesn't it show up? Doesn't that logo show up at the end of um, of uh, Far From Home? I don't remember. I don't know because that's what that's where that's what he's doing. He's building. Oh, like, right. Okay, that's I guess so. Spoiler alert for <laughs> Far From Home: Fury is like building sword.
0: Like that's. Oh, I didn't catch that, I guess. Watch. I I don't really remember a watch. I don't well, remember, remember far from home. To be so. fair,
1: we don't actually to be fair, I guess we probably don't know that because that's the difference, right? Is um Sword in this show stands for Sentient we- Weapons Observation D- Department Research Department. Yeah. Research, research department yeah. whereas in the comics it's Sentient research. World Observation yeah. Division and, and it's um and it's and they're an outer space arm of, of um, an it's, outer space arm of, 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 um, of shield of shield. Yeah. It's, 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 it's shield in space. Right. But it seems like the show is actually making it more about vision because it's sentient weapon. Right. And maybe it's directed at all the Avenger, like all superheroes because they're sentient weapons. Hmm. That's interesting. Particularly, particularly the mutants.
0: That's very true. And I think mutants I think they kind of tease the idea of, of mutants in the show a little
1: bit. Oh man, I'm I'm I've got <laughs> I am I am so ready to put money on the fact that Ian that Ian McKellen's Magneto is showing up at some point. Like, oh yeah, really interesting. I uh, mean, it would
0: have to be like th- this is something I heard. I'm mean, a little tangent for a second. If you were to introduce Magneto into Mar into the MCU, it would be difficult because. What makes Magneto Magneto is that he's a Holocaust survivor. Right. You can't introduce, you know, um, Fassbender, even though he's, like, amazing as Magneto. But he's just too young. Like, he has to be an older dude. But even if he's older, like, he'd have to be really old by now. So, like, what do you do, you know? I mean, it's pretty essential that Magneto survived the Holocaust. It's why he's, like, so, it's why he's so pissed off. <laughs> right um so that, that'll be interesting to see what they do
1: my theory um, by the way my theory for that is based solely on the fact that paul bettany has said that there is a cameo appearance coming in the show of an from an actor that he has longed that he has longed to work with for a really long time and then he later updated by saying it's a cameo that no one has guessed so it's not it's not Doctor Strange. I was going to go with Doctor Strange because it seemed like the most obvious (laughs) because it seemed
0: like they're Uh setting up a lot of the new Doctor Strange movie in this.
1: Well, I think Doctor Strange is going to show up. Like, I think Stephen Strange is going to show up. But I also think that they've done too many little references now to Wanda's background and her family and the opportunity that Disney has to introduce mutants and the X-Men is – I mean, they've already done it, Yeah. technically. So it would be – we're getting ahead of ourselves because we want to go episode by episode. Yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, okay, let's get on to the next one. Uh, don't touch that d- dial, which is very much sort of like a bewitched, mm-hmm. I dream a genie, kind of riff. Um, and this is where I think I, I at least I start noticing uh, the hex, the hexagram, the hexes, mm-hmm. just kind of showing up because the first thing you see in the opening title, which is like an animated title, is uh, the stars are in the shape of
1: a hex. Yeah, the hexagon. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, hexagon. And, um, and, you know, as we know, the universe is sort of made up of hexagonal shapes that we're in, and we find all right. that later. Um, so this, this is an interesting episode because Bewitched and I Dream a Genie were – they came a little bit later in, like, the 60s. And these were sort of more about, like, people trying to hide who they were within right. a suburban environment. And that's – what this show starts being about because she Wanda is, is starting to get concerned that people are going to find out that vision is a robot and that she has superpowers. And so they kind of go out of the way to make sure no one finds out about it. And they try to find ways to fit in. Like he joins like sort of a, um, a club of men who are it's like, a neighborhood watch. Yeah. Neighborhood watch. And then she joins sort of like that. What is it, like the rotary club? or something yeah um for the children yeah for the children who by the way head of the rotary club Dottie. Mm-hmm. uh did you recognize her
1: uh she's from uh she's from buffy
0: correct emma caulfield anyanka very good chuck very points uh one person we haven't we've, we forgot to mention though who's sort of essential to the cast catherine hahn yes who Agnes. is who, who plays Agnes uh the sort of quirky next door neighbor who always kind of comes by and helps out and you know she's she's kind of an oversharer always talks about her husband Frank who we never really meet uh that's sort of a very she's, essential sidekick character
1: she's such a good sitcom neighbor
0: she's amazing uh but Catherine really Han
1: fits that trope of the of the sitcom neighbor who just kind of always shows up like right around the time you need him like I mean we're talking like including your Kramer yeah. You know, you're talking about oh, what's um what's Lucy's neighbor? Um, I forgot, is it Betty? Dude. I forgot. I'm not.
0: Oh. I forgot all these things. I used to know all this, all this crap, dude. Growing up on dude, Nick like, at Night I episodes. Dude, I grew up on Nick at Night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we used to know all this stuff. But I forgot it all. Um, but I know, I know what you're talking about. Like her, she and her husband.
1: Um, you caught the little. By the way, since you grew up on Nick at Night like I did, you caught the reference, the opening bit in um the first the first episode. Where Vision teleports through the Ottoman, right? Yes,
0: the Dick Van Dyke okay, bit where he falls over the Ottoman. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so uh, Catherine Hahn, uh, Agnes' next door neighbor. She, uh, Catherine Hahn, man, national treasure. She makes the show, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Like she gives it that kind of pedigree. Um, she's already just like a phenomenal actress, and I'm just like a huge fan of. Um, she lends her voice to Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. As uh, th- that dimension's uh, Doctor Octopus, and she's incredible, um, and she's just like a, just a comedic powerhouse, so funny, um, and just also a great actress. And she, like I said, she, I think she makes the show. I don't know anybody else who could who could pull off that role as as great as she is. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's part of the Rotary, Rotary Club, you know, with wanda as they're trying to fit in and then uh another colorizer is when dottie breaks the glass because that's like another uh you know stop it moment
1: right right which right leads into this idea that their world is actually like they're being forced to experience it and in in, in sapia tone at this point it's definitely like it's a simulation. I do think it's kind of funny that we're yeah. going through this, like, without giving away the spoilers, as though the people watching <laughs> this episode haven't already watched all of WandaVision. <laughs> I know. I know. I really like the second episode. Yeah. I love the magic show bit. Um, by the way, if you notice, that's one where he uh, – well, I think it's – I really love the fact that he eats chewing gum and it messes him up. Yeah, it makes him drunk. That's so funny. And it, he's having a blast as a yeah. drunk vision. Um, I love um, but, but it's also a part where when he pulls out the the cabinet, the mm-hmm. cabinet of magic, is that's what he calls it. Right. The cabinet cabinet of mystery. The cabinet of mystery. If you pay attention, he misspeaks and he calls it like the magnetic something. <laughs> Which I was like, there's a Magneto reference. Um, oh, oh, nice, nice. But um, um, but yeah, I really liked I like that episode. I think I think so that, that that one to me is the one where it shows to what degree everybody is firing on all cylinders. Right. Yeah. In the show. Right. The first episode is introducing you to the weird concept of what's going on. The second one is where we're really allowed to see, you know, the level of the level of performance we're getting here. And it's just, you know, I like that, you know, Vision's inclination is to join a group of peacekeepers like the Avengers. But right. it's for this little like suburb. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Um, and um, and I like that, you know they're um, you know, they're having to use their powers, but in a way that that is very comedic. I mean, I, I laughed hard at the part where she makes the piano into like a cardboard cutout, and the guy's like, "That was my grandmother's." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I liked that episode too. It, it's it went a little long. I think I
0: think the magic show went a little long. Probably. Uh, I think they could have been a bit tighter.
1: But I think it was I think it was true to the pacing of an old show like that though. Yeah. Cause you gotta realize man, we got shorter attention spans than they did back then. <laughs> that's that's true. Um you know, people were gonna watch that and see how they pull off that special effect. Um, we yeah. also get introduced in this episode to Senior Scratch, who I still think is a character is going to be uh Senior Scratch? Yeah. Her bunny. That's what I was gonna ask. Is is this the one where where
0: Senior Scratch was introduced?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was. Right. Which uh the name Scratch is Nicholas Scratch is her son in the comics. It's also a name for the devil, old Scratch. Old Scratch is a name for the devil in um C S. Lewis's um screw tape letters.
0: Real oh, okay, that's interesting. That this is it's also uh the one line where someone says like the devil's in the details, and that's where Agnes says. Yeah. That's not Right. that's not Yeah, that's the only place where he's at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's this episode
1: also features, if you watch in the animated opening sequence, for like for blink in your miss it moment, the helmet of the Grim Reaper is found in the floorboards of the house. Huh. Like the, the Grim Reaper sense. character in the comics, not. Didn't catch
0: that. Um, the commercial for this one is for uh, a watch, and it's called a Strucker, or Strucker. Right. Von Strucker. Yeah, which is um, of course a take on Baron von Strucker who. Was the one who uh, held, you know, Wanda and Pietro in captivity and and experimented on them and gave them their powers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wristwatch in this commercial, and uh, the tagline is "He'll make time for you." If I'm coming to this from the uh, position that this is, you know, Wanda's subconscious, you know, she's still thinking about Von Strucker and Hydra and how they affected her life. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like it. it it's interesting because in the episode before it was a, it was a Stark industries product. And now this is a Hydra product. It's kind of showing how like she was afraid of Stark, but embraced Hydra because they were like giving her power, her, her power. So it's, and you know, he'll make time for you. So maybe that's just, maybe she felt that Von Strucker was a kind of fatherly figure to her, you know, or it could also be about vision.
1: Like these could all just be about him. <laughs> you know, now that I'm thinking about it though, there's been a theory out there that each of the commercials may have connections to each of the infinity stones. Hmm. Um, so time gym.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the first one, it's a red light. So that'd be the reality stone, right? Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. From the ether, which, okay. So Wanda's powers are able to modify reality. And so, and she uses red, like it's her power. Her powers are like signature by Red, but yeah. but she got her powers from the Mind Stone, right? Which is another connection to Vision, right? It's the same thing that powers him, powers her. Yeah, I think so. I think that's how it is. Yeah, because they had the staff. Because that's what happened at the beginning of Ultron. They're going to get the staff that's been taken by the la- the remainder, the remaining Hydra cell, and they yeah. used it to give. Wanda and Pietro, their
0: powers. Well, You know, and this is the thing. This kind of leads me to something that's happening in Marvel that people don't really talk about. I think there's, like, an unspoken sort of rule about, like, energies and uh, elements at work Mm -hmm. and what each colors as they correspond to powers represent because Wanda's powers are, like, literally, she can manipulate time and space, but it's only still just, like, an illusion. She makes an illusion. So, like, that is the reality gem right like right gem is red and her powers are are red
1: right and it's like that same kind of red cloud that when um thanos uses it um at nowhere in infinity war
0: right and there's also you know when you um go back to iron man 2 when tony stark discovers a new element Mm -hmm. it's blue right and it makes the same noise like whenever he uses it is the same noise that the, the tesseract is powering so right, and the, shows, uh, and the Tesseract
1: shows, and the test is in his dad's journals while he's working on
0: it. Yeah. So there's there's a kind of a there's there's some unspoken rules I think in, in Marvel in, in yeah. terms of like the powers and, and where and, like where they come from and stuff.
1: And I kind of like that. I hope that that's really what's happening because there's an element of that hinted at in, for a while. It was at least um, in DC Comics with Green Lantern. Yeah. That all the powers are drawn from the different, you know, areas of the emotional spectrum or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so people's powers, when they use a certain color, they were drawing from that same emotion or whatever. Um, But they've since kind of abandoned that, which kind of annoys me. But um, I do like the idea that, right, that the Infinity Stones are these crystallizations of an elemental force. And so whenever someone uses a power that's drawing from that elemental force that's found, Mm -hmm. you know, so which would mean then that Wanda could, effectively draw from two infinity stones. She could draw from the mind stone and from the reality stone. Probably. Well and then a lot of a lot been talked about in the most recent episode, of course, of seeing um of seeing Agatha Harkness's purple magic. Right. Um which of course
0: we'll learn about tomorrow night. Yeah. Um so moving along also in this episode we're introduced to Geraldine, the new character. Yes. Comes out of nowhere. So the next episode is now in color, which is definitely Brady Bunch. Like that's Brady Bunch, Partridge family, right. uh, all of that. Maybe even – And is
1: pregnant suddenly.
0: Yeah, suddenly Mar- Yeah, because of how – well, because of how episode two ended, uh, mm-hmm. right? They brought the two beds together.
1: Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, how episode, that's how episode two
0: began. Oh, right. That's right, how it began.
1: That's it right. ended with the beekeeper. That's right. Beekeeper. And she's just like, nah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, met,
1: met, you'd get to see him again by the way
0: yeah that's true Um, so episode 3 is now in color which is definitely Brady Bunch inspired Uh, Wanda is very pregnant it's definitely sort of like a a pregnancy episode where you know Vision's kind of freaking about being a dad Uh, you know they get a doctor and they're kind of like is this normal for her to be pregnant this quickly and the doctor is like ah it's totally fine (laughs) you know yeah, they were and pregnant this
1: morning. First got pregnant this morning, and she delivers by the afternoon. I don't know why, Chuck. I, Mrs. Zondek, I didn't write any notes for this episode. <laughs> well, it's it, in a way, it's kind of a. I mean, you partly want to say it's a forgettable episode because, you know, all that happened. I mean, the big deal is that the kids are born. It's really all about the kids right. being born. You see one reality quite... altering powers happening because because she's going into labor, it messes with her control over things. Yeah. But humorously it's all, all bound within the special effects realm of a set of a 70s sitcom yeah i do
0: love the kind of like the spinning painting
1: and stuff mm-hmm.
0: and like things just kind of going haywire but it is very much like on set special effects like if it was actually on the brady bunch or something
1: yeah um, and and then you know uh agnes shows up for a little bit but this is really the big the, the big thing that happens in the episode is geraldine
0: right this is when you she and and this is interesting because agnes is the one that suggests hey who's geraldine we don't really mm-hmm. we don't really know her she doesn't have a home and you also see a little bit more of like the simulation breaking down when uh their neighbor uh what was his name <laughs> oh yeah he ends up cutting through the wall yeah he starts cutting through the wall with his, with his like his, his
1: brush trimmer <laughs> yeah and vision's oh. like you okay he's like i'm fine <laughs> yeah and that's like when um yeah he's he's trying to break out of whatever control is happening to him right um but yeah then geraldine shows up and she has that moment where she's just like oh that's right you had a brother he was killed by ultron
0: yeah and that's and and that kind of like brings sort of wanda out of it for a little bit Mm -hmm. because she's already kind of on the edge because she's remembering pietro and singing a sokovian lullaby right am i remembering that correctly And that's when Geraldine, uh, you can kind of say, like, this is where I can kind of just like slide in and kind of break that reality. Right. But Wanda does not like it. No. And sins are out. Yeah. Uh, Which is interesting because in that that episode, you'd actually don't know what happened. Geraldine is just gone. Because you don't actually find out until the next episode that she was.
1: um, No, no, no. the end at the end of the episode, you see her shot out the side of the hex, and she just lands in the yard, and then right, like, and that's, that's kind of it. Right, and
0: that's what I'm saying. It cuts to, yeah. like, you don't see, like, the actual confrontation to, like, the next episode. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but, yeah, so, like, you don't really see her, and then you see her get shot out of the, the yard. Um, interesting, because it's all about kind of, like, how she can't really seem to hide her power. If the last episode was about we need to hide things, mm-hmm. we need to hide who we are, this one's all about, like, the, she can't contain it. Right. Um, especially since, you know, she's having, she has twins, Billy right. and Tommy. Right. Um, Members of the Young
1: Avengers. Are they? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wiccan and, I can't remember what, what the, uh, Tommy, I think is Wiccan. I can't remember what Billy does. Yeah. So in the next episodes, uh, we interrupt this pro. Oh, wait. Can you talk
0: about the commercial real quick? All
1: right. Can we get the commercial?
0: It's the soap one. Uh, the soap one's Hydra Soak. So still another right. Hydra product. Uh, right. Find the goddess within.
1: Notice the pa- the package is a blue square like the Tesseract. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people on the internet have been having a good time with the fact that there is a reference that Coulson makes in Agents of S- Agents of Shield, saying that Hydra was trying to mind control people using soap. So people are trying to say like, oh, this shows that Agents of Shield is part of the MCU. Like, guys, just give it up. It ain't happening. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, because that, that was the thing where, like, they really wanted to
0: be part of the MCU, but Kevin Feige was like, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think the tagline for that one is find the goddess within, mm-hmm. uh, because you start to realize that, you know, she can't really contain her power. She can't really hide it. And so she's going to have to unleash it. And, again, if I'm going, if I'm approaching this as her subconscious, she did embrace that part of her the the, of them experimenting on her and
1: and, you know using her power Um, unless the goddess is referring to someone else who we just learned about and that person is within the simulation correct are you talking about are you talking about agatha
0: yeah okay there was a character in marvel called goddess Mm -hmm. which is in one of their big crossover events happened in the 90s uh,
1: but I don't think they're gonna go that direction. Probably not. Um.
0: So the next episode, so unless th- unless
1: that's gonna be the superhero name for a certain someone who just became a superhero, that's which true, we'll get to.
0: Who has like apparently got like a million
1: names. Yeah. Um.
0: So the n- next episode. So I got to be honest, Chuck. This is where I was kind of a little disappointed <laughs> because I'm like, okay, like I'm I'm actually kind of enjoying like this whole sitcom vibe. Right. It's fun. It's a lot of yeah. fun, and I like. I kind of like the mystery happening, um, and 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 we interrupt this program. It's all about like we we break from the simulation and we go into the real world to basically just explain where we are, not necessarily what what, what exactly is happening, because they don't really, they still don't really know, but that it's being investigated. Um, we're introduced to Monica Rambeau. Who we find out was snapped. Who is the daughter of of, of Maria Rambo Rambo, from Captain Marvel who is Carol Danvers' best friend and you know partner. Mm-hmm. Um, Monica Rambo, she comes back, um, finds out that her mother's been dead for three years because of cancer, but also started the Sword Program, which is mm-hmm. who has been sort of monitoring the situation of Wanda and whatnot. We're also reintroduced to Jimmy
1: Woo. I love it. The first time you see him, yeah. close up magic to pull out his uh <laughs> pull out his business card.
0: Yeah. Uh played by Randall Park, who's great. Um I love Jimmy Wu. Yeah, he's a really great character. Uh I feel like they're kinda they're gonna use him to sort of like replace uh Colson.
1: I hope like so. Like he's gonna take on like a Colson role. I hope so, 'cause I love I love his character and I liked Coulson, the role that he played. Yeah. So it would be kind of neat to have Brandon totally. Park doing that. And if we can't have him, then please let it be Michael Peña somehow. <laughs> um, and they were also reintroduced to Darcy Lewis.
0: From Doctor. Doctor Darcy Lewis uh, from uh, the Thor movies, uh, who was back then Natalie Portman's assistant in those films. And... Um, her I
1: thought, not her sister?
0: No, her assistant. Oh, no, at least I don't think they were. I don't if memory serves me, they were just like okay, colleagues okay. um so this is the story where they're kind of like this is the, where they' are explaining everything, and this is where like i I'm a little mm, come on, man, I was having fun, <laughs> you know like you gotta <laughs> you gotta ruin the illusion, you gotta be Johnny explainer for an hour and i and i and I do think it might be like the worst episode out of all of them um because it's just i don't know it's just a lot of exposition it's a lot of like okay we, we, we we've had our fun now we got to go back to being conventional
1: marvel stuff and i'm like mm, all right sure whatever i guess i i i like that it i like that it shows the it gives us a bit more of like a dark side of the undoing of the blip which by the way they call it the blip yeah um, I like that the decimation never stuck. <laughs> God bless John Watts with his uh, uh, calling <laughs> it the blip in Spider-Man Far From Home, which gives us the, the a better name. Um, and, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home opens up with high school students and their reaction to being unsnapped. Yeah. Um, to see the absolute chaos that would have resulted from it really happening. Mm-hmm. I think is, I, I I thought was really cool to see. That's one thing I liked about the episode. I, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I, I think I didn't like, I didn't like that. We had to have that little kind of montage of showing like that. It was Jimmy Woo talking to the radio and, right. you know, I mean, it was kind of fun to show the, um, to kind of reveal that the, the hex, which is it's called, it's later called the hex, but like that, that this fear that this, you know reality that they're entering into that whenever things come in it has to be based on tech that was available at its time yeah so like the drone they fly and just turns into an old toy helicopter right when they bring when they send in the guy you know with a radiation suit it turns into a beekeeper's uniform and he's got a jump rope behind him yeah um like i just found that kind of stuff really fascinating um for the for the the thematics of the show i really liked seeing these characters back i really liked darcy lewis yeah she's great i'm glad she was back and i like that they let her be doctor and let her be not just comic relief but she's actually like a consummate professional and knows what she's doing and she's like you know one of the foremost experts on, on uh, cosmic radiation right. <laughs> um of course this also raises all kinds of interesting questions why is there a television broadcast sort of mapped onto cosmic radiation. Someone's clearly wanting you to watch what's happening. Right. And so who is that? Hmm. Um, That's interesting. You know, we do learn that there is a director to the show. Mm Right. Right. Um, I guess, but the, I guess, but you see, a, you see a credits at the end of every episode and those credits are apparently, they have, re- the, these are names that actually show up in the Marvel universe. I guess what I like about this episode is that they stick it in the middle the way they do rather than using it as a way to button up everything and be like, here's what the mystery was all about. Mm-hmm. It actually segues into, I think, raising more questions. Yeah. Even though it's conventional Marvel stuff. I, I didn't think it was that bad, but-
0: well, but it's the less
1: interesting of all of them. I'll give you that.
0: Yeah. Um, it's definitely kind of sort of like a procedural episode because it is all about just trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I said, we're introduced to Monica Rambeau. She kind of takes on sort of a – like a second protagonist kind of role. And she sort of spearheaded and it turns out that Monica Rambeau was Geraldine this whole time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you also introduced to Tyler Hayward who's like, I guess, head of S.W.O.R.D acting head of sword acting head of sword <laughs> so
1: the actual head of sword is currently in space okay Nick that? oh that's right Nick. okay that's right right
0: that's right he's hanging out with the scrolls yeah yeah um so you really weren't paying attention in spider-man far from home. <laughs> i really wasn't no <laughs> i mean i watched it one time it was late at night so uh, i just wasn't i just wasn't into it um so that's kind of what this episode serves as and it it, it does this job fine um this is uh, i think this is where i started to notice the shifting aspect ratios by the way when it would go <laughs> back and forth when it was like in the the real world it had that letterboxed view but never right. went back to what was going on that you just
1: kind of just slowly like shift well oh, no that's the next episode where we start getting both oh, okay. where cuts back and forth between the two realities
0: well i guess it happens at the end of the episode then because the end of the episode ends with Mon- with 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 wanda and vision um on the couch watching tv oh that's right purple haze starts playing that's right which is a weird choice uh no it's not it's not oh that's right that's agnes agatha and her power is a purple haze <laughs> see it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to
1: watch it again <laughs>
0: yeah interesting <laughs> that's a very by the way, very expensive reference yeah. uh I, I yeah you gotta wonder how much it costs disney to get purple haze you think disney's hurting for money jp nope <laughs> <laughs> it's probably in their library um so the next ep- next episode is on a very special episode which is the f- very much family ties inspired um right. this is the one that's interesting because the 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 character break in this one comes from um oh wait no actually in the last one we we learned before we we go on we learned that the quote is uh it's all wanda controlling everything um <laughs> Does this does right. this, this, this one end with her confronting everybody and saying which like, one are you talking
1: about the the end of
0: at the end of we interrupt this program is that yeah. the one that ends with her like actually walking out of the town no and throwing the drone back
1: no 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 remember because this is you just said it ended with them watching TV while that's... Purple Hayes plays and then okay that's right the next one is this next one the family ties one is when it happens because that's when Hayworth sends in. I mean, really sadistically sends in a Stark drone from the '80s, right? Like a missile, which is probably the same kind of missile that was probably okay. So, so then the, on the very
0: special episode, this is the one where she walks out of the hex yeah. and like threatens and she has them. her exit back, and she actually does she does the she does the Magneto move that Magneto did in the first mm-hmm. X Men, where he turns all the weapons on each other. Yep. Um, but yeah, this is uh, but this is the interesting break where Agnes makes the break the character break and it's not just right. like uh i'm freaking out but like oh do you want to take that line from the top do you want me to redo that do you want to as if she's like an actress or something right and then when this happened i was kind of like i was theorizing that agnes was like just like a was like an actress who just happened to find herself stuck in a sitcom and she was just like <laughs> going with it you know like she was just like enjoying it. that's that's where my mind was at. um which is, I think, serves as a
1: really good misdirection. See, for me, I was I was reading stuff already, and theor- people theorizing that she was Agatha Harkness has been going on since the very first episode. Oh right. and, <laughs> Oh yeah. And um, um, I, but my assumption was that she is another super powered being who's sort of like in on it with Wanda. Yeah, you know because this is also the episode where Vision starts criticizing Wanda for not hiding her powers anymore. Right. She's using them pretty much openly right in front of Agnes right because that's that's what she says at the end of the episode. I'm tired
0: of hiding yeah uh, and so that it's definitely she's kind of she's come full circle now she's like she's gone from like not really knowing who they are what they're doing to now we know what we are we need to hide it to now to like losing control of it To so now it's like <laughs> nope, I'm just gonna like this is my role now <laughs> and I'm gonna take yeah. control of it. This is the episode where they really start painting Wanda as like the villain. Mm-hmm. um they recognize her as the victimizer um this is right when, I think that's what he actually says that hayworth actually says that yeah yeah uh i think he even starts labeling her as our Hay- haywood hayward starts labeling her as a terrorist and jimmy was like mm, no you can tell like the good guys and the bad guys are at, at this point you know what i mean
1: yeah i think hayworth is a uh, hydra as i think uh
0: that, that that's that could be a possibility uh, and this is also this is the one that this is the one that created a little bit of controversy amongst uh, fans who are you know caught up in the speculation game because mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to develop a vehicle to go into the hex without like altering anything right and Monica Rambo says, "Oh, I know an aerospace engineer who would be up for the challenge <laughs> and like and it's a dirty trick because they focus yeah. on her phone as she's texting their person. So that means like there is significant there's 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 significance in that in that line and who she's trying right. to contact oh yeah
1: um you know they so, were having fun yeah d- just like to
0: screw you they know what they're doing they know what they're doing when they do stuff like that mm-hmm. um it's just because in the next episode like we see someone bring the vehicle
1: and it's definitely not anybody major
0: right
1: everyone <laughs> well, was expecting it to be Reed Richards yeah exactly well this is the episode where the kids grow up rapidly right
0: is this the one where Sparky dies yes yeah
1: and that's how you know. By the way, in a couple, you know, we'll find out in a couple of episodes why Agatha is really a villain because the old screenwriting trip about saving the dog. Um, well, it's also like, well, what's also great about
0: it since it's a simulation, it's probably not a real dog, so they can totally like be funny about it.
1: So. Oh, but that. Oh, we didn't even talk about in we interrupt this program that we find out that Westview is an actual town. It's not. Yeah. It's an actual town that nobody remembers.
0: Yeah, because they're talking like Jimmy was talking to local cops, and they're like, "Yeah, where's Westview?" And like, we have no idea. We've never heard of it. It's it's like, random. where are you from? They're like Eastview. I'm like, well, because it started off as like a missing persons case, right? That's how right. Which is that's a, that's world.
1: another mystery they haven't. Yeah, it's an informant. Jimmy Woo is looking for an informant.
0: Oh, okay. I thought for some reason I thought I was just like there. Someone was missing in the town. There, or they lost contact with someone in Westview, and that's why. No, it's a,
1: a, it's an it. informant. That's in Westview. Okay. So that's led to a lot of speculation about there is in the Marvel comic in Marvel comics is apparently there is a prison for supervillains or superpowered people that is disguised as a small town. And so there's some thought that maybe that's what this is. But it also fits with Tom King's vision comic series where they live in a, like a New Jersey suburb. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely where they're trying
0: to like she's basically kind of take control. The kids are aging themselves up rapidly. You find out they have powers, which makes them. I think that doesn't that make them like the first? Doesn't that sort of make them mutants, like mutant esque? I mean, they don't have the X gene, of course. Well, but if they're born if with their super with superpowers.
1: Well, do we know? Do you know Tommy and Billy's comic book origin? I do not. I I don't. I don't know. So they are fractions of Mephisto's soul.
0: They're really selling the Mephisto thing. It's <laughs> that's what everyone's um, theorizing is like. Who's behind everything?
1: I'm actually kind of hoping that that's the case and that we find out at least that like there's like a small trilogy of WandaVision, um, Spider-Man 3 and um, Doctor uh, Strange. Doctor Strange, that they're all that there's like a Mephisto connection in all three of those movies. And that'd be really interesting. Maybe even um, Ant-Man because that one deals with the multiverse as well. Right. Yeah. But I mean, Spider-Man 3 seems to be hinting pretty strongly at One More Day, which if that's the if that's the direction Ooh, they're going to go, that's, that's interesting. bold. That's that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Most hated storyline in Marvel Comics. Yeah. Yeah. So in the comics, what happens with Billy and Tommy is that Wanda creates them from fragments of Mephisto's soul. I don't remember if it's during House of M or no, it's the It's what leads up to House of M where she creates them and then, but what happens after a while is when she's focused on Avengers avenging stuff, when her focus is away, like when she's focused on battle or whatever, her kids blink out of existence. Hmm. And then like when she remembers them, they come back into existence. And so that's when she realizes they're not real. Um, And what's happened is that Mephisto is actually um been letting her power them up so that he can recollect these parts of his soul to make himself more powerful and so he does which that becomes this like and then he and then he erases Wanda's memory or no Agatha Harkness erases one memory of ever having kids but then something happens where she gets the memories back and that grief and that trauma is what leads her to create an entirely and plus also like the loss of like all these mutants um causes her to create an entirely new reality called the you know the house of m storyline which one of the more famous notorious x-men storylines uh, so yeah sorry, uh, sorry, 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 no no that's version. fine i mean that's that's awesome i love hearing about that kind of stuff uh but but it also like i mean
0: it's it's kind of it's really dark and sad uh i mean the wanda is just such a sad character like both right. in the comics and here and like and i know in the comics like they know even less about like what her powers are like what her whole deal is and she's even more kind of like unpredictable
1: well she's a nexus being right
0: that's the thing in the comics yeah that's 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 something i i looked up recently as well that's that's the at in last episode um but uh this this episode's commercial uh lagos paper towels Mm -hmm. uh and lagos is of course where is
1: where they incited the civil war
0: yeah uh, well, the
1: the uh, the 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 superhero registration act, or are they a Sokovia the Sokovia Court. The Sokovia Accords,
0: right because she accidentally killed some people in, L- in Lagos, right? Um, and the tagline for that one is "For when you make a mess, you didn't mean to." And of course, the commercial is paper towels soaking up a like a red liquid that very conspicuously looks like blood. There's there's some guilt because this episode is all about like is she a villain like is she has she finally lost it. I think this commercial is saying like she's kind of still dealing with her own sort of dark side a little bit and also trying like whatever
1: is whatever horrible thing is happening it's it's not entirely her fault, right? Also, let me ask you this real quick though. The aether from Thor Dark World, yeah. is it a red liquid?
0: It's not really like a it liquid. It's something like a red element that's it's it's like a portal. Yeah, right, I guess but it it's a liquid.
1: So I'm wondering there's another Infinity Stone connection.
0: They drop another bomb, a bigger bomb, <laughs> by having Pietro yeah. show up at the end. And everyone's right. freaking out because it's the actor who played Quicksilver in the X-Men films. Right. Um, and that's another thing where it's like, as the show progressed, you kind of learn that, okay, this this guy probably isn't like Pietro. And if that, if that's true, that's, an, that's another dirty trick. Like, you know what you're doing by casting that guy.
1: Well, is this the one... Yeah, this is the one where um, you had that moment where Wanda... Or Wanda doesn't want to talk to Vision, and she just has the credits roll, and he's basically like, yeah. no. That's interesting, because he, he's starting to suspect that something uh, weird is afoot. Right, and, and, he's suspect- and he's suspecting her.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's interesting because it's happening over the credits. So, like, that's – I wrote that down, too. That's kind of interesting, like, sort of – it, it kind of reminds me of, like, Adult Swim when they started doing their shorts, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're arguing over the credits,
1: and that's where they have like their face off where they like float in the air and stuff. Right. And then that's when that's when Pietro shows up. Right. As a distraction. Here's what I think is I actually think that he is Quicksilver. Yeah. From another universe. I think that our our recently revealed villain has pulled him over and is using him for manipulative purposes i mean as or, if we're, we're getting into the multiverse that's made as made abundantly clear or there's something to the fact that he that pietro was always wanda's brother mm-hmm. and that the one we saw in ultron is something else i feel like they they did um aaron taylor johnson is that his name yeah i feel like they did him a little dirty yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know joss whedon he always has to have that sacrificial lamb right He's always going to be uh, Let's not his. talk about Joss right <laughs> now. <then. laughs> we'll talk. Uh, he who shall not be named. So P- Pietro. We're, 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 Dirtbag
1: Uncle Pietro.
0: Yeah, man-child Uncle Pietro. And love uh, I love this episode because it's Malcolm in the Middle, mm-hmm. the uh, all-new Halloween spooktacular. It's Malcolm in the Middle, and it's a Halloween episode, so I'm, I'm stoked about this one.
1: And it gives us the opportunity to see both Wanda and Vision dressed up in their comics costumes
0: yeah which is so great and we learned that like the costume she's in is actually supposed to be a sokovian fortune teller which i thought was an interesting yeah approach. great thing i learned about this episode is the theme song was actually done by uh kathleen Hanna from bikini kill, bikini kill. and uh i re-listened to it on the second time i was like oh yeah that's definitely kathleen Hanna because she has this sort of break in her voice whenever she kind of you know belts out her, her lyrics and it's cool. I dug it. I like it. And, and it's also just, it's very weird to consider like Bikini Kill doing music for Disney.
1: It's <laughs> very strange to me. We live in strange times.
0: Man. Yeah. The girl who inspired Smells Like Teen Spirit is uh, just did a Marvel Disney uh, bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, great episode. I really like that episode. Uh, it, it, it fleshes out a little more. And but while also like playing with the sitcom format of that time, I didn't even like, realize what kind of sitcom they would use. It, it wouldn't even occur to me to use Malcolm in the Middle, uh, because they do kind of skip the 90s a little bit. And Malcolm in the Middle didn't come out till very late in the 90s. I was like, I think it was something, what, right. it was 2000, actually, was it? Like, 99, 2000?
1: No, 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 no. It was, I think, 98, maybe? Probably. No, no, you're probably right. It might be more 99. And I, I heard yeah. that the reason why they did is because
0: like, 90s sitcoms were less focused on family and more on, like, friends
1: hanging out true yeah because yeah, was, i was gonna or be like I was workplace like, well, there's, there's like nothing there's nothing really like significant about 90s sitcoms and i like well, one of my favorites that come of all time is in the 90s which yeah. is seinfeld
0: and the seinfeld um, friends uh you know just shoot me yeah. they're all friends or they're like coworkers or something
1: that's true that's true and like yeah. the only family ones were just continuations of the ones in the 80s like family matters full right. house that kind of thing by the way speaking of full house there were people online apparently very upset that Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen didn't make some kind of an appearance in the '80s episode, which I thought was like that's an unreasonable expectation. People keep like expecting
0: them to like play ball with the whole nostalgia thing. I'm like, they are billionaires; they don't have to do anything.
1: Well, and like, the thing <laughs> is, is, I mean, and and uh, I guess in the lead up to Fuller House, they were interviewed and they said like we're not in it because we don't know how to act anymore. Like they're like, you realize that like, right. we haven't acted since we were children. So yeah, this is this is that sort of knock in the middle, such a great touch.
0: Uh, they really nailed it too. Probably better than mm-hmm. any of the other sitcoms, I think. Um, and it was kind of eerie that have, having them talk about these sort of serious issues in the style of Malcolm in the Middle. This is why I like that more than
1: like go, breaking off into the real world stuff. This is also the first episode that features breaking the fourth wall as part of the sitcom trope. Who is Billy talking to? If, if what we learn the next, you know, the following episode, right. they're. Talking to someone pretty obvious who they're talking to, and it, you know, kind of raises in that whole idea of, you know, going back to the second episode for the children, like the whole reality is for them. If the whole thing turns out to the like these two kids like just don't exist at all, I hope they stick that
0: landing and make it because like that would be, that should be like a devastating
1: reveal. Let's get speculative for a second. Okay. What if they do that? Yeah. And it makes Wanda for you know go kind of full villain and she plays the mephisto role she tells she, spider-man that she'll give him you know like an alternate reality yeah but that that somehow is in exchange of being able to her to get something to make her kids come back
0: i'm i'm just not thinking of, this is starting to remind me of uh when hal jordan lost it right in Green Lantern, yeah. like when he became parallax because he tried to he's tried to reconstruct his own reality <laughs> yep yeah and then they wouldn't let him do it, and it just goes insane. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm kind of expecting, I mean, I, I hope I hope they stick that, because, you know, like, in these, these movies and these comics and stuff, it's like someone dies or, or something. It's like, it doesn't hit that hard, because you know they'll be back in right. some way, shape, or form. But, like, something like, you know, a couple of kids turning out to be, like, fake, that should be, that should that should hit hard. And so, like, they're kind of setting themselves up to either, like, really pull something off that's going to be, like, devastating to watch or, like, whoops, whiffed it. Um, so, I'm well, glad I don't have that job is
1: all I'm saying. The, the actress who plays Monica Rambeau said that the in an interview recently, the finale is incredible and incredibly sad. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I guess we can expect that then. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's sort of the, it's sort of the nature of these characters of, of Wanda and vision that they're, 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 they're sad, right? right like figures, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of like Peter Parker, right? right? Like there's always a tragedy element to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, but we get dirtbag, uncle Petra, P, uh, Peter, Peter, yeah. dirtbag, uncle Pete. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and of course where, vision, vision sort of wanders off
1: to kind right. of investigate oh god and that's where we get that really creepy bit Kana was really creeped out with the woman who's just like putting up her, her laundry and there's tears in her eyes while she's doing it yeah yeah just repeating that action right for the it, sake of background
0: it's also when the kids develop their powers you find out Billy has super speed and Tommy
1: has the tele he, tele-, tele telepathy yeah he's like basically connected to like the hex itself or whatever yeah
0: um, so yeah, this things are starting to unravel she' it like visions starting to become like less trustful of Wanda um and he has that moment where he like kind of flies up and looks into the town and he starts to very of, superman very yeah, superman <laughs> I noticed that too, <laughs> and he finds Agnes she's not acting like the other ones who are under a spell, you know you could tell she's like acting if
1: you if you like rewatch it, you know like, well. to me it's fun it's not consistent with how everybody else is acting well to me this is this is where the writing is fantastic and you say you know these people know what they're doing right yeah so even though you didn't know the speculation about agnes's character Mm -hmm. right people have been making this people have been making the speculation from like the first or second episode and marvel knew that and so for them to have this one episode is just a little bit of a misdirection right right because when i saw it I was like, oh, I guess she really isn't that character that we thought we were. I was like, oh, you you sly little Marvel guys, like you're you're got something else going on. But then I'm like, but you got her in a witch costume. Yeah. That's so on the nose. Everybody else is in their kind of comic appropriate costumes. And yeah. I'm like, you got her in a witch costume. And like you know, so it was kind of fun that they were. It kind of reminds me of the first. so so Scream uh the the killer and the fact that um billy loomis was a killer in scream was spoiled for me before i ever saw scream okay but credit to my friend kyle we we went to he was like no no he wasn't your friends are telling you wrong my friend kyle did an excellent job of of like getting my scent off the thing so that when it turned out that billy loomis was one of the killers yeah like I was actually legitimately surprised, <laughs> and so like you know, it kind of made me think of the same thing. Marvel's doing this sort of like, oh no 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 no, you think you know, but you don't. Even though you actually do know, but you don't know. Yeah,
0: and and you know, that's where I'm thinking. Like, I wish I hadn't done the amount of research I had done because like everyone is so convinced of Mephisto. Like, I'm starting to be convinced that the whole thing is Mephisto, and that even though Agatha is controlling everything, or at least everything we know of, I don't know. We'll get there. Uh, it's just kind of like there is going to be another player involved. I think are gonna find out. I think it's a couple that. of players involved, yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so the Malcolm in the Middle episode great. I love it. We learned about uh, PHO. We started to that's where we kind of that, like maybe he's not actually PHO. And right. also he knows that Wanda is controlling everything and he actually thinks it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, he knows a lot.
0: Yeah. Next episode which is the last episode we had was Breaking the full Wait, wait. Hold on, actually. We got to talk about the commercial with this one. Because yep. this is the one that disturbed it, me. All new Halloween spectacular. It was the commercial for Yo Magic, and it was claymation, that sort of style of, of uh, for like a, a a yogurt or something. A kid mm-hmm. on a desert island and a shark gives him this yogurt cup, and it's called Yo Magic, and he tries to open it but can't, and he just starts withering away until he's a skeleton. Right. So there's that creepy moment again, where like it goes on a little too long. Uh, long enough to be very uncomfortable and he he just can't get into it he turns into the and he dies and the tagline for that one is the snack for survivors things are getting really bad for wanda (laughs) like it's like she has lost control completely at this point right the fact that like the kid can't open the snack pack right um, and that they're just sort of withering away as it's happening.
1: The shark says, well, I was basically like you until I learned yeah. to eat your magic. Right. right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So it's clearly, I think it's indicating, this is where I think the commercials begin to shift. Yeah. Um. And I think this is letting us know that someone is feeding off of Wanda's magic. Or at least
0: like manipulating her, right? To kind of yeah. use her magic.
1: Yeah, which, which could be—I mean, I could be trapped, right? Yeah, I mean,
0: um, which could be just like another not, not to Agnes, but also might be something deeper. Um, but uh, yeah, this is definitely the most disturbing one that happens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and uh, yeah, so that one—I mean, it's, I think it might be the most cryptic out of all of them. Um, but still, yeah, that's interesting. Um, Okay. So let's move on to the next one. I don't know. I don't remember what happened to the railroad stuff in that one. Was that the one where they used the, they tried to go into, I think that one ends with Monica Rambeau going into the hex, right?
1: No, this is the one where vision comes out of the hex. That's right. And And then they expand it. And he says, and he says, um, you've got to help these people. Yeah. And then, yeah, she expands it. And that's when like they all evacuate except for, you know, the, 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 the the sword camp turns into a circus yeah. (laughs) and Kat Dennings winds up getting pulled in, which did you notice she goes, Oh, and as it's switching over, you hear her say fudge. Okay. So the next one is breaking the
0: fourth wall, which is definitely modern family. Yeah. Which I've, I've, I watched a little bit of like years ago. I don't really remember anything about it. You watch modern family, right?
1: I'm rewatching it actually right now. So it was kind of fun. We watched the modern family, but right before we watched this episode.
0: That's funny. <laughs> Do they kind of nail it, though? Like, is it? Yeah. 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 Um, her acting, like, this is when, like, her acting becomes, like, again, like, this earlier episodes. like, she really nails the, like, 2000s mm-hmm. kind of, I want to say, Joss whedon uh,
1: well, kind of a- speak. Well, the actress, like... the actress who plays Claire Dunphy in, I can't remember her name, but she was also the... You know, she was also in Happy Gilmore. I can't remember her name, but anyway, she um, um. They aired that episode basically on the anniversary of the final episode of Modern Family. Oh, that's interesting. And um, um, or at least close to it. And she said that um, watching, she watched the episode of, um, she watched that episode of One Division, and she said that Elizabeth Olsen captured like her performance so well. Amazing and like the way that like she made like looks at the camera and
0: yeah things like that little ticks like that even paul bettany where he's paul like he's
1: definitely channeling uh jim from the office at times
0: oh yeah okay well i like the little touches that paul bettany adds whenever he's being interviewed modern family style like he's like scratching mm-hmm. his ear
1: oh yeah i love that
0: like i i noticed that on the second time around where he was like you know i just thought that that's it's amazing (laughs) you have no ear yeah (laughs) it's great um but yeah i do love
1: when he's just like this is ridiculous what am i doing and he flies yeah
0: (laughs) i do love he like rips off the lapel and like smacks the boom mic away um but this is great because cat dennings gets involved in the in the in the the sitcom part and wanda this is where you started to realize wanda is experiencing depression like that that's what this is like she's she's given up yeah, so Vision meets Darcy and frees her from the thing by touching her temples, which is a, a thing he does to free people, which is apparently what Janet Van, Van Dyne did in Ant-Man and the Wasp.
1: Oh, right. And it's all because something happens to her spending so long, so much time in the microverse. Right. Um, quantum Realm, sorry.
0: Yeah, the Quantum Realm. Um, so, you know, they're trying to get back to the town, and she's wanda's like i said just sort of regressing into depression and that's this is also like where one of the kids i keep i keep being mixed up whoever which one that whichever one has telepathy just call him wiccan that's his superhero name. wiccan okay he's the one like he I tells think it's Tommy. agnes shows up to kind of like take the kids away and i noticed that when he when she takes them away he tells her like you're quiet on the inside yeah does that mean like he can hear everyone's thoughts around him? Like in the town, like yeah. everyone's just scree- <laughs> screaming thoughts. Like, well, it's like, what that's they, dark. They,
1: they, yeah. Well, it's like, well, it's, I mean, that's a sort of a ongoing joke about Superman that, yeah. you know, he can hear the screams of suffering around the world constantly. <laughs> right. And he's just like, I want to ask out Lois Lang. Yeah. Um, so like, she
0: takes away the kids. And then of course, you know, she, she has that sort of, you know, cliche kind of housewife. Like she's still in her pajamas. And then, uh, the commercial for that one I thought was fascinating. Nexus. Uh, because that's for Nexus, the pill, uh, because the world doesn't revolve around you or does it? Mm-hmm. And I actually wrote down like what the script of that commercial was, because like this, this is the one that was really on the nose. Yeah. The most on the nose. Cause it said feeling depressed, like the world goes on without you. Do you just want to be left alone? Ask your doctor about Nexus, a unique antidepressant that works to anchor you back to reality or the reality of your of your choice. Uh, Side effects include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny and possibly more depression. Uh, You should not take Nexus unless your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life.
1: I just remembered she said it because it says living your truth. And doesn't Monica say something about that?
0: She does. When they when she confronts her at the end, she said yeah. that she was living her truth because she had to deal with the fact that her, her mother passed away and she can't bring her back. Like, Wanda can, you know, create a reality. But she has to live her truth in order to, yeah,
1: in order to move on. So here's what I think the commercials are. Okay. I think the commercials might be Mephisto Hmm. because like he's trying commercials commercials are an interruption, right? Right. I think they're villainous. Every one of them has been villainous in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they are all like, if you take the idea because Mephisto of course being the devil in Marvel, um, you We take the idea that the devil is the accuser. It's all stuff that kind of mocks her and accuses her of different things. Um, and it sort of dangles things in front of her, yeah um, that's my theory is that they are actually from the outside to her they are kind of
0: torturous mm-hmm. you know they're not like they're not super... if it's her
1: program, these yeah. things are interrupting her program, right? But what is a commercial what is a commercial in broadcast television? It's the thing that allows the show to exist, right? yeah um right like you the tv show exists for the commercials it's you know it's our sponsor he's your sponsor (laughs) yeah so i think i think that the and by the way notice that every title of each episode has had some kind of a tv trope title one that we have not heard though is a word from our sponsor oh interesting and i'm wondering an episode of just commercials oh my gosh that'd be great or, or like what if like what if we what if when the reveal of Mephisto or something turns out that's the title word from our sponsor. And that's when it all kind of comes to a head. I mean, um, but, um, but yeah, cause that gets back to the question of why is first of all, one, why is it, what's, what's the whole point of sitcom tropes, right? Like that's the great question about the show. Like why that?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, why, why is it put on cosmic radiation for someone to be able to pick it up and watch it? Clearly, somebody wants you to watch it. Well, who's the person who wants you to watch a TV show? Well, whoever is actually supporting the advertising piece. Yeah. Right. Fascinating for it to be on a show or on a channel that doesn't have commercials. Mm -hmm. You know, there's I think there's some layers of meaning that are implied there. Yeah. Um, I had always figured that it's sitcoms because that's sort of
0: Wanda's view of America. Right. Um, Yeah. Growing growing up poor and watching old yeah, like watching, like learning about America through like old sitcoms and stuff, and that's just, and that's. And I
1: think that's probably true.
0: Yeah, but it, it could be something more, which would be interesting. Um. And this is the one where Monica Rambeau she finally goes back through the hacks. they tried taking the, the um, whatever that thing is it the, the thing that looked like the armadillo from the from Armageddon I don't know if I'm, yeah <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Um, she goes in it gets turned into like a nineteen eighty six uh, Chrysler Town and Country. Yeah, that was pretty funny, or Dodge um, Caravan. Yeah, and uh, I actually think it was a really, really amazing scene watching Monica Rambo going through the hex, and he saw like all the different versions of her, like like kind of mm-hmm. like like coming out of her. Right, right. and you, you're hearing all these quotes from like different characters and stuff. You hear about like her mom. I think you're you even Marvel. You hear like Randall Park say like you're, you're an inspiration. Yeah. So this is actually a really kind of beautiful moment of her becoming a superhero. Basically, you know, she's getting mm-hmm. her powers and this is actually kind of a unique moment in the Marvel universe. Cause we haven't really watched something like this happen yet when they, when people get their powers, it's usually like off screen. Um, you know, not since like the, the first phase of Marvel.
1: Or well, even then, right? Like, think about this though. Like, the only person that we really see get powers in any of the Marvel movies is Captain America. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, he had iron, Tony, him, but he was getting a suit. Like, that's not. Yeah, the same he just thing. built a suit, right? Yeah. But Thor already had powers. Right. Um, Incredible Hulk. He's already got. He's already got yeah. Hulk ability. Right. Um, the. Um, yeah, everybody else already has their powers. Even Spider-Man already has his powers by the time we see him. Thank God, because we did not need that origin story one more time.
0: <laughs> yeah, which I think also ties into this. Like, I, I do think Disney knows like people are tired of origin stories. And it's like, mm-hmm. we got another character. We need to give her an origin. How can we make it interesting? Well, let's put it in. We'll tie it into this episode. And so, like yeah, it, it makes an origin story different and kind of fresh feeling.
1: Right. Yeah. And then, of course, this is the episode where we find out that it was – Agatha, all along. Who's
0: been messing up everything? It's been Agatha all along. Who's
1: been pulling every evil string? I haven't even noticed that the pity is The pity is It's too late to fix anything Now that everything has
0: gone wrong It's too Agatha, naughty Agatha It's been
1: Agatha all along And I killed Sparky too
0: Total <laughs> earworm, dude that theme, I love it. So great! It was almost like the monsters theme
1: or something. Is great.
0: Very monsters. Very monsters. Um, did you
1: find? Did you have you seen the thing? I just saw it. I think this morning, where somebody found out that the music that plays over the end credits is the same tune. Oh really? Yeah. So every episode, that little like, <laughs> that's so. There's another thing I want to point
0: out there. That's kind of weird that they messed with. Okay, so this is a Modern Family episode, right? And so yeah. they're talking to people and there's like, they're being interviewed. Well, there's a part where when Wanda do, is doing one of her interview scenes, they, they, someone asks her, do you think this is happening to you because you deserve it? Or something like that. Right. Yeah. And it's a male voice. And she says, you're not supposed to talk. Right. Somebody ran that through some kind of voice encoder online mm-hmm. on the internet. It was Catherine Hahn's voice.
1: Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> Isn't that crazy?
1: I, like that. I love that kind of attention to detail. That's
0: the level of detail they're going through to like hide things in
1: this show. It's crazy. It's insane. Well, and they also know that – they also, at this point, know the level of insanity their fans are engaged with. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because we find out that great bit where she's sitting in the director's chair.
0: Yeah, uh, and also the, 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 the reveal of Catherine Hahn is so great, too, because you go into like her lair. She goes – like, Wanda goes oh, into, the, into she's the basement, and she, it's like this really cool
1: – She's it's, old school witch, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's Lovecraftian. Yeah. She is clearly eaten children.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there's like skulls and stuff like, uh, like yeah. sort of like inhuman skulls of like what beasts or demons are probably down there or something. And like, you see like a, like a magic book,
1: I think. Right. Right. Which people have been, uh, there's been some speculation about because apparently if it, there's a magic book like that. Yeah. that showed up in both Agents of Shield and in Runaways. Okay. Okay. So there's been this question of like is that kind of like a like a nexus, like a universal nexus thing. Yeah. And when
0: she, she you know, when she comes down, she's you know, what does she say? She's like you thought you were the only magic girl or you thought you were the only magic girl in town. And of course she's holding yeah. senior scratch.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's when they cue Agatha all along. And God, I love that song so much. Well, I just love when she's like, I love when she's, she's like, oh, the kids are probably playing in the basement. And I was yeah. like, she wanted her goes, to find it. Don't go into hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, or the uh, the id. That's where the id is, right? Is it? I don't know. But maybe the same thing. But yeah, she goes in the basement and that's where we, and we see the tendrils with purple light. Yeah. And we find out that she uses purple magic. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And... She's been manipulating everything behind the scenes. We see her manipulating Pietro. We see, yeah, all of that stuff. So it's it's interesting because it, it it you know when I first saw that I'm
0: thinking like okay so she's the villain like this is going to be the villain of the episode right? But then like you know I I, I kind of saw some discussion online and people were talking and I'm like well not 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 really it's not really suggesting that she controlled everything, but that she was right. just kind of like messing with stuff here and there you know
1: right well and agatha harkness in the comics is not necessarily a villain that's what i heard too which because I, I don't i know nothing about these people i don't her major like the major thing that she's done in the comics is that she was like the babies well she did well two things one is she was the witch that taught monica how to use i mean that taught wanda how to use her powers oh interesting okay she's actually a legitimate witch from like the salem witch trials and survived okay um the other thing is um she was the nanny of franklin richards hmm okay yeah that's interesting um so she has a fantastic core connection which is why people are you know right trying to make all this right i mean we're in phase four yeah you, you know it's got to be there <laughs> right um but um i bet i kind of want her to be a villain okay but i mean of course it implies that she ate those children <laughs> <laughs> yeah I saw somebody say that. Like, outright said that because they're like the, the the eaten sandwiches on the coffee table indicate she ate the children. Right. Right. I don't, I don't know, but I guess maybe. <laughs> um, this, of course, is also the first episode that gives us a post credit stinger. Yeah, or a mid credits, right? Yeah,
0: because Monica yeah. Rambeau. Then this is the one. This is the thing I wanted to discuss. Like Monica Rambeau, like this is where she becomes a, she becomes a superhero basically, right? Yep. And um, I guess in the comic, she's called Photon. Right or Or, spectrum or spectrum, Um, and that's where she she has her face off with Wanda one more time. She and that's where it reveals to her, you know, you have to live your truth, right? Um, Which is a great moment. And this is what I wanted to point out: the moment I think they really solidify that Monica Rambeau is a superhero is when she does the three point landing, right? Mm -hmm. Because Wanda has her up in the air, right, and she's able to do something, and she falls and she lands. And that's when you're like, superhero now she's, she's a superhero mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's interesting to me because that's the first time I've ever seen that used as like cinematic grammar. Usually it's like I mean we're all familiar with the superhero landing, right Every superhero mm-hmm. has to do it but I'm saying, but my, my theory, my, my, my film and television theory is that that has become so pervasive in our culture uh, in superhero films that now that can be used as sort of cinematic grammar to convey that someone is a superhero. So when she does that landing, I, to me, that is when, that
1: was a beat. Right, that was a beat. Right, and like you said in our chat before this, that it, it, it actually, uh, it plays off of the joke that Deadpool makes. Right, that she's gonna do the superhero landing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, Which, by the way, wouldn't we be great if they just throw everything out the window? It turns out this is all like happening in like Deadpool's crazy mind. It would be kind of funny to see Deadpool in a
0: situation like this because it's like it would like make him go insane <laughs> because it's like I'm just like imagining Deadpool not knowing what's real and already a person
1: who's already like sort of well, can see between the lines in reality. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like the idea of like Marvel's going to be playing with the idea of multiverses and and all of that that the idea that Deadpool could factor in. Yeah. As, as be like you have all these people who have like serious powers and their ability to see multiple realities, and then you just have this insane
0: guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, another thing I wanted to point out, like I, I forgot to point this out, um, the the for the commercial Nexus, uh, Nexus is like a real thing in Marvel in the right. comics. Like it's yeah. it's, it's, it's Wanda a, is a Nexus being. Right, and the Nexus is like the space between worlds right in the multiverse uh, where like power comes you, from
1: see i think of nexus as the place where patrick stewart met malcolm mcdowell <laughs> yeah. um, um from you no, generations yeah, right yeah no because uh yeah every according in marvel what i understand is in marvel every universe has a nexus being who is able yeah. to draw their powers from uh either from other universes or in the space between universes or whatever which in dc comics which I know better that thing is called the bleed the okay. space between universes the bleed um but I think I think you're right I think the nexus is the connective tissue between universes
0: um I'm just gonna ask you like what what are your thoughts overall on the show like are,
1: are you having a blast uh I'm what... having a blast I look forward to it every week uh I finish every episode wishing that Thursday would come, yeah. um, see for me living in Hawaii, yeah. um, I get to watch it, it comes live at 10 1 PM for me on Thursday. So, um, I get to watch it like mm. really, you know, very conveniently actually before, you know, like I get to finish it before anybody's written their think pieces and their hot takes Yeah.
0: Nice.
1: Um, online and, um, which is a little bit frustrating. Cause I'm like, I want to see what other people are saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but no, I'm having a great time with the show and I think it is probably the best thing Marvel's done. done. Um, really? You know, there's, I, I think the, the, the promise of all these different directors and stuff coming in to make different visions of these care of, of these movies, you know, I think like, you know, we saw a little bit of with, uh, with um, winter soldier. It's like, okay, it's a Marvel movie, but it, it's a superhero movie, but it's actually a political thriller. Like, yeah. you know, but there is that, that there's that sameness that comes through with Marvel, right? Which I, I get it. It's a, It's a consistent production value thing that you want there to be an element of uniformity um, with just a slight tweak of focus. But this is the first time that I feel like that 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 promise has actually paid off or like the hint of that has really been allowed to come to fruition where we get to see how weird they can be with this stuff.
0: Yeah, I could see that, Um, especially going in just a totally different direction with the medium.
1: Yeah, when I found out that when I found out that you know, like what, two years ago or however however long it was, and they said that One Division was going to be an old timey sitcom, yeah, I was like, I'm I'm on board. Right. Just give it to me now. Um, yeah, it did not take much to sell it to me either. Yeah, that's I mean that's my kind of weird, yeah. and, and I will say it's so good and so different that when I saw the trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier I'm like oh
0: yeah I know I feel the same way like I feel like this is really strategic on on Disney's part to do this one first instead
1: of Falcon and the Winter Soldier because that's going to be very conventional I'm with you in that it was a little disappointing that they got to the conventional Marvel stuff so quickly Mm -hmm. I wanted some more sitcom weirdness I actually kind of wish they had kind of let this go to like a full like 20 episodes or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, give me, give me two episodes of each decade, you know, just like, All let's right. like, give me one where it's just a sitcom storyline and then you can do one where it's weird. And then, right. but, um, but at the same time, like I, you know, I do like it and I, and I actually really, really appreciate that they're leaning into the week-by-week release format and really making that part of it again. I realize that that's something that I've kind of missed in our world of binging.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And it is kind of weird to see people, like, not used to it.
1: Right. I, mean, a lot, I see I think? see a
0: lot of people complaining about it. And, like, a lot of people, like, demanding, like, reveal the villain now. Like, dude, like, have you never, like, watched TV I can't imagine you people watching 24 episodes of Buffy the
1: Vampire Slayer week to week
0: yeah it's just you know that baseball break in the middle
1: they want it all like spoon-fed to them yeah right um and um the fact that we're getting like a nice slow burn Mm -hmm. um show that I get you know again it gets back to like lost you know where people would just like speculate about what's happening and you know where's it going and I do think it's interesting that um, like this is that again. this is a Marvel property. We
0: haven't really had set pieces, right? No, like outright like battles, like superhero
1: battles and fights and
0: stuff. Which I'm, I'm sure like, they'll make up for in la- these last you know couple. Episodes. I'm sure that I think
1: the last episode is probably going to be like that.
0: Yeah, but like it's it's been you know mystery driven drama, mm-hmm. new territory for Marvel.
1: <laughs> well, but you know what though, it fits. It's, it's closer. It's closer in feel to the comics. Yeah. Right. Because comic books release month to month and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's it's long form storytelling rather than trying to summarize it all up in a couple of hours. Right. Um, so, I, you know, it, it, it's kind of the way that I feel about like Star Wars. I sort of feel like we're at the point now where television is probably a better medium for these things. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I came to that conclusion, you know, a while ago. Why, well, why? I mean, you and I have- you and I have totally come on the same page that Disney Plus needs a green light an X-Men show like yesterday yeah and like all the mutant stuff should be on TV Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I'm down for that I would watch the hell out of that
1: (laughs) yeah like you said make it like Cobra Kai
0: yeah oh totally I'm I'm really enjoying it I didn't think I would I was pretty cynical about it at first um, because a lot of people were comparing it to David Lynch I was like come on Uh, just because something is a little weird doesn't mean it's like David Lynch um, I I I guess I was a little cynical at first because, you know, like I said, I had to re- kind of reacquaint myself with Marvel after kind of feeling like I, I, it was leaving me cold. Um, but, you know, the, Elizabeth Olsen, she's just so good. Yeah. And Paul Bettany, so good. Catherine Hahn, an absolute delight. Um, it's just undeniable the talent involved. And they made it, you know, they, they're, they're the ones that sort of making it for me. Mm -hmm. well it's fun
1: too yeah i say it's also fun too that this is a show that's doing something that i think dave filoni does really well with star wars Uh which is take the stuff that you're kind of embarrassed by and somehow make it good yeah so like this actually this show coupled with stuff that we saw in endgame has made two of the worst marvel movies into like kind of necessary viewing (laughs) yeah right because like now age of ultron is necessary viewing right yeah and even though we're kind of breaking off
0: into the more conventional parts, the sort of procedural parts, trying to explain everything with uh, Monica Rambeau and stuff. She is, is at least a really cool character. And also, I, I really like Randall Park, and I really like Kat Dennings. And they're just like, if I'm going to have to suffer through the conventional Marvel stuff, I think they picked some really good characters to do that with. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, if it were, I don't know, if it were like, what's her name? Maria, was it Maria Hill? yeah yeah if it was her or like anyone from like agents of shield like i would not enjoy it <laughs> It'd just be a slog so they got some real they got they got some real cool players to to kind of to make it palpable and then to make mm-hmm. it good and um it's been fun you know kind of getting back into it. i never thought i would find myself like really enjoying a marvel property ever again uh, i was just going to kind of like let it just coexist and drop in every now and then just see what's going on and didn't really realize I'd actually have a whole lot, that I'd have this much fun. And, I, and I, like, I like that it's unconventional. I like that there are no real set pieces and that's mostly drama-driven at this point. And there's like a mystery involved and that they're being really detailed. And I feel like a lot of this sort of mystery box storytelling, which I usually find insufferable, I feel like it's been solved. I feel, it be, and I think it's because of uh, Watchmen Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is taking a lot from Watchmen in that regard. There's a whole subplot in Watchmen where Adrian Veidt—spoilers for the HBO Watchmen series, by the way—where uh, Adrian Veidt is stuck on a planet, and it's very strange. And they kind of slowly reveal like what's going on, and it really reminds me of that. And, I, and like I gotta say, I gotta say again, the reveal of Catherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness. Mwah. Like <laughs> probably one of my all time favorite moments in all of Marvel because Catherine Hahn is such an amazing actress. Full agreement sure.
1: with you. Great reveal. National treasure, Katherine Hahn.
0: Yep. So uh that's all I really have to say. Unless um I don't really know what we have what they have in store for us for the rest of the episodes. You know, I'm just kinda I'm just going with it. You know, maybe Mephisto is revealed, maybe Doctor Strange shows up, maybe um I don't know, Pietro isn't actually Pietro. <laughs> We'll see, you know,
1: they're, they've released trailers and I've not watched any of them because okay. I want to go into each episode, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously following the discourse, but it's fun to not know like what shots are still out there. Yeah.
0: And I think this is, and I think I, I like that we did this episode ending with the mystery. Cause that's what sort of was, what was what making is what is making the show fun is that you don't know mm-hmm. everything so it i think right. it's cool that we didn't just do this when it's all wrapped up and when everything is explained and we're just recounting
1: everything you know
0: the fact that we can end this episode with we don't know what's going to happen like just... well it would be really it would be really
1: good listening for people as they prepare for the final episode right like yeah can, yeah, yeah. Let, us, let
0: us know if you do that let us know okay. your theories yeah. and thoughts and stuff we want to hear them um cool all right so that's a good place to end i believe yes gotten long thank you for sticking with us but it was fun talking about it we had to get it out this is part of our who we are we, we went yep. back to being uh nerds uh father chuck thank you so much and thank You're you are welcome and and thank you audience uh for listening don't forget to like subscribe do all that stuff you've probably forgotten so that's why i need to keep reminding you um and i of course want to say uh, in the spirit of katherine hahn uh stay golden pony boy good journey good journey (laughs) that's awesome